Good morning. Good morning. We apologize for the popping in the PA. I just knew it would pop both times when I said that. Uh, the theory is that when there's moisture and, and with all the humidity, I think we can understand moisture in the sound system and perhaps with all this hot air coming from up here, it'll just dry it out completely. But uh, we're delighted that you're here. See, it's already doing better, isn't it? Um, but we're glad you're here. We have several visiting with us and we want you to feel, to feel right at home. I want to begin with a, an unusual quote from an unusual person. Some of you may remember Rodney Dangerfield. I can't uh, commend all of his uh, comedic acts, but he is attributed with this statement. Respect is something that everyone looks for in life and everyone tries to get. And the reason why that statement struck me is because if you remember anything about Rodney Dangerfield, you remember he was known for this tagline, I don't get no respect. I don't get no respect. And I realize English teachers, that's a double negative, which would indicate he does get respect, but he was known for that line, and he made a whole comedy routine out of it. But it was based upon this, this desire, this need for respect that we have. And the sad reality is we live in a very rude world, don't we? A very rude world. Common courtesy is not so common anymore. So there's this dire need for respect. And that's where we are to come in. We're to come in. If you survey through the scriptures, you'll see that the, the instruction for, for God's people to be respectful of others abounds, abounds. We read in scripture that we are to respect our, all those in authority. And it doesn't matter who is in authority, we're to be respectful of them because of their position. I remind you that in the first century, there were Nero's like Caesar. And some of the, this instruction about uh, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and be respectful of, of the government, the governing authorities, was written even when he was in power. We're called upon to be respectful of not only uh, national, local government authorities, but also to church leaders. Children are instructed to be respectful of their parents. Wives are instructed to be respectful of their husbands, husbands to their wives, and, and on and on. There's so much instruction about how we are called to show respect, to give respect to others, regardless of who those others might be and what they might be doing. In fact, to sum it up, we could look at 1 Peter 2.17. The New King James Version says it like this, Honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. The NIV states it like this, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. So there it is. That encapsulates everyone, doesn't it? Honor all people, show proper respect to, to everyone. So we all want to be respected. And we, we want other people to treat us with respect. But where we must begin is by showing that respect to other people. Here are four reasons why 
we need to be respectful of others. At the basis of which is it's God's will for you and for me to show respect to others. But here are four other reasons. Number one, because God made everyone. God made everyone. Psalm 8, 4 and 5 says this, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him, that is mankind, a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. The psalmist, I love this text, he's, he's saying, as vast as the universe is, how can you be concerned about, why are you concerned about, why do you care for, for mankind? Um, you've even created mankind to be a little lower than the heavenly beings, or your translation may read, a little lower than the angels. And it amazes the psalmist that God would care so much for, for human beings. But the reality is he does care about human beings. I found this statement this past week. There are no worthless people. There are people who do worthless things. And I think it's very helpful for us as we take this instruction to be respectful, show respect to everyone, that we recognize the distinction. Sometimes we're respectful, respectful of others who may, being, who may be doing things or, or that, are, that we don't appreciate, we don't like, that are even sinful, and yet we show respect to them. It's because they are created by God as well. Even the most unlovable person is loved by God. Here's another statement that I think is worth remembering. Honor and respect. To honor and respect people doesn't mean we embrace or endorse what they do or even what they believe. But we respect the individual as a creation of God. So by showing respect and honor doesn't mean we agree and there are things that we will not agree with because this is, the, uh, this is our standard of living. But yet we are still respectful of those people, primarily because God has called us to be respectful and because all people have been created by God. Number two, because Jesus died for everyone. He died for everyone. Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And may I remind us again that God didn't love us and give his son for us because we were so lovable. In fact, it's because the opposite is true. When we were unlovable, God sent Jesus to die for us. When we were still sinners, you see, you think about it, Jesus died even for those who would reject him. Jesus died even for those who would rebel against him. He died for all. We may not think much about somebody, but God does. God does think a lot of every single person, enough to give his son to die for each and every one. The cross shows us how much people matter to God. So why should we give respect to other people? Because Jesus died for all. Number three, because it shows we know we know God. It shows we know God. For love, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. 
And he who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. So God is love, and if we know God, then we're going to love like God. And folks, here it is in a sentence. Love always treats people with respect. That's what love does. Love always treats people with respect. Observe the Son of God during His earthly ministry. Think about John chapter 4. Jesus comes to Jacob's well um, just outside a Samaritan city. And there's a Samaritan woman who comes out in the middle of the day. And I think there's a clue as to why, why she would come out in the middle of the day. Apparently, to avoid contact with other people. But here's this Jew, Jesus, sitting at the well, and he asks her to give him something to drink. And she is shocked by that because John tells us Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And then there, he engages in this conversation with this woman to tell her about the living water and to tell her about true worship and, and to so change her perspective that she leaves her water pots at the well and goes into this city and tells everyone, come see a man who told me so many things about me. And the whole city comes out to see Jesus. Why did all that happen? I suggest to you one reason is that Jesus showed respect to this woman. No matter that she had been married five times and was living with a man, he confronted her with that fact. No matter that, uh, that she was probably shunned by the people of her community, Jesus is love. Jesus loved that woman and wanted her to be saved from her sins. And and as a demonstration of that love, demonstrated respect for her. Because of that, her life was changed and a whole community was changed. Jesus would associate with people that the spiritually elite thought you should have nothing to do with. He even associated with people who were deep in sin and um, even with tax collectors. He would even call one of them to be one of his apostles. But he treated people with respect because he loved people. And so, folks, if we're going to follow Jesus, we must love others. And one manifestation of that love is to show respect to whomever it may be. The Scripture says love is not rude. It is not insists on its own way it's not irritable or resentful that's out of the english standard version first corinthians 13 the great love chapter but notice it says love is not rude it does not insist on its own way the niv states it love does not dishonor others it is not self-seeking so love is not rude love is not selfish but when when we're disrespectful of others when we're rude to others what we're indicating is we're only concerned about ourselves. We're doing the opposite of what, what it means to truly love. Love is not rude and selfish. Love always treats people with respect. And number four, another reason why we should respect others. 
is because of the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. What you sow, you will reap. What goes around, comes around. What you give out, you're likely to get back. If you give respect, you're more likely to gain respect. But if you're rude and disrespectful, the law of the harvest indicates we can expect nothing but that in, in return. And that underscores the beautiful wisdom and the divine wisdom that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. We called it the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you want to be respected by others, then give respect. Be respectful. And the law of the harvest is that you'll likely receive that in return. Proverbs 11 verse 17 says, A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. That cruelty can often be in, in not being respectful of others. But when we're kind, when we're respectful, we are benefited because of the law of the harvest. So how do, how do we show respect? In a world that is, quite frankly, rude, how, how do we show respect? Let me give you five practical things to take home with us about how to show respect to others. Number one, when we speak, let's be tactful, not just truthful. Let's be tactful, not just truthful. Paul admonished us, speak the truth, how? That's right, Paisley. Speak the truth in love, in love. That was her amen to that statement. The primary we show respect, folks, is with our words. It's not just what we say, it's how we say it. Let me say that again. It's not just what we say. It's how we say it. Because what we say can be the truth. But how we say it and the motive behind what, why we're saying it can make it wrong and not in, in love. Proverbs 15.4 A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Wholesome has the idea of being curative or, or healing. Wholesome speech is a tree of life. It promotes healing. And so this verse tells us, among many others, that we need to give careful attention uh, to, to our words. Learn to, learning how to be tactful and truthful at the same time is an absolute essential to being respectful. I love this statement that I found. People with tact often have a lot less to, retra to retract. People with tact often have a, loss, a lot less to retract. Um, another version of that is when you speak, make your words sweet. So you have, if you have to eat them, they won't taste as bad. Many people today don't understand this point. They often confuse rudeness with frankness. 
I just tell it like it is and let the chips fall where they may is a statement that's been made. That's not being frank, folks. That's being, that can mean being mean and disrespectful. It's not just what you say, but it's how you say it as well. Of course, you may remember this quote, tact is the ability to make a point without making an enemy. If you want to be respectful of others, let's learn to be tactful and truthful. Number two, when we are served, be understanding and not demanding. When we are served, be understanding, not demanding. That's another expression of this golden rule. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. That's Luke's account, Luke 6.31. Notice this statement. One of the greatest tests of our character is how we treat people when they serve us. No one, no waitress or waiter has told me this directly, but I've heard it said by those who work in those occupations that some of the rudest treatment they receive is Sunday after church. That, that hurts, doesn't it? By the church crowd. One of the greatest tests of our characters, how we treat people when they serve us, whether it's waitresses, waiters, clerks, employees, secretaries, family. Folks, it takes no intelligence to be rude, but it does take great character and great maturity to be understanding and not demanding of people. And the best place to practice this is at home. May I underscore this with us this is where respect is first learned parents grandparents let's take it to heart that our children our grandchildren need to learn to be respectful while they're in the home when they're in the home that's their first encounter with the world it's in our families and folks if they don't learn respect in the home they're not going to demonstrate it outside the home so the home is where it needs to begin. Are we more respectful of strangers than we are with our own family members? I read this poem written by a mother. I ran into a stranger as he passed by. Oh, excuse me, please, was my reply. He said, please excuse me too. I wasn't watching for you. We were very polite, this stranger and I. We went on our way and we said goodbye. But at home, a different story is told. How we treat our loved ones, young and old. Later that day, cooking the evening meal, my son stood beside me very still. When I turned, I nearly knocked him down. Move, move out of the way, I said with a frown. He walked away, his little heart broken. I didn't realize how harshly I had spoken. While I lay awake in bed, God's still small voice came to me and said, While dealing with a stranger, common courtesy you use. But the family you love, you seem to abuse. Go and look on the kitchen floor. You'll find some flowers there by the door. Those are the flowers your boy brought for you. He picked them himself, pink 
yellow, and blue. He stood very quietly, not to spoil the surprise. You never saw the tears uh, that filled his eyes. By this time, I felt very small, and now my tears began to fall. I, I quietly went and knelt by his bed. Wake up, little one, wake up, I said. Are these the flowers you picked for me? He smiled. I found them out by the tree. I picked them because they're pretty like you. I knew you'd like them, especially the blue. I said, son, I'm, I'm very sorry for the way I acted today. I shouldn't have yelled at you that way. He said, oh, mom, that's okay. I love you anyway. I said, son, I love you too. And I do like the flowers, especially the blue. Were you convicted by that? Do we treat others with more common courtesy than we do our own family members? God says even in our families, we need to be understanding and not demanding. Number three, another way to show respect in a disrespectful world. When we disagree, be gentle and not judgmental. Be gentle and not judgmental. First and Second Timothy and Titus were written by the Apostle Paul by inspiration to some young preachers. And so, um, in preacher and his work, I remember uh, we were instructed to, to do an intense study of these, three, of these three epistles in view of our work as ministers. In that instruction, I want to highlight 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, that applies to preachers, but to all Christians, all servants of God. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And verse 26 goes on to say, And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. But think of it in its context. Young preacher Timothy, how are you to interact with people, particularly with whom those with whom you disagree, who may not understand the truth? How are you to handle it, Timothy? Paul says to him, you be kind to them. You teach them. You patiently endure evil. In other words, you don't respond um, with rudeness to rudeness. Why? Because God may perhaps grant them repentance. They may come to a point, by the way that you've handled this situation, they may come to realize the error of their thinking and repent of it. But all of that hinged not only on speaking and teaching the truth, but how it was done. Folks, it applies to all Christians. When we disagree, be gentle, not judgmental. Don't, don't, don't be mistaken. Telling the truth is not being judgmental. I'm afraid that's a truth that's not fully recognized. Folks, when we declare what God has said, it's the truth. It's the truth. Telling the truth is not judgmental. It's sharing what God has judged on the matter. But notice the second statement. But if I use the truth to attack and beat people down, then I am wrong. You see the difference? Tell the truth. 
But don't use it as a club. Don't use it as something to belittle and berate people. You be gentle and not judgmental. Paul reminded us if we don't have love, then people won't hear the message of truth that we want, want to proclaim. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm simply making noise. Folks, we can be right on an issue, but if we're rude about it, we're wrong. We're wrong. Number four, when sharing our faith, when sharing our faith, be respecting, not rejecting. 1 Peter 3 is all about sharing the, our faith, sharing the hope that is within us. Notice what Peter says. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So be prepared to give an answer. Be prepared. That involves study. That involves challenging ourselves to, to find answers to questions. We prepare ourselves. But when that moment comes and someone asks, why are you a Christian? Why, why do you say your hope is in Jesus? That when we give that answer, we do it not only with that prepared answer, but with gentleness and respect. We cannot argue people into heaven. We can, with gentleness and respect, explain reasons why we believe what we believe and why we are encouraging them to examine the evidence to believe for themselves. On Wednesday nights, Terry Livingston and I are co-teaching a class on Christian evidences. We tried to begin it back before the pandemic, and so we have just begun again. And the idea is to prepare ourselves, to give reasons why we believe what we believe. And so when we come, when we meet an atheist and we engage in conversation about is there or is there not a God, folks, we don't start with this verse. And though it's scripture, the scripture says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's not where we, would, we begin, right? It's Bible, it's truth. But if we want to try to help that person think, broaden their thinking and examine the evidence for themselves, we can't use Scripture just to shut things down immediately. Rather, gently, kindly, but firmly, we give solid evidence why we believe in God, why we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And we share that evidence. Examine it for yourselves, please. Because if we're rude, if we don't practice gentleness and respect, we've already lost the opportunity to persuade other people to become Christians. Fifthly and finally, how do we show respect? When people are rude, respond politely. This may be the most difficult application. When people are rude, respond politely. It goes back to what can we control in this world? If you imagine your life being a circle and everything is, that's in that circle represents you, 
and what you can control. What's outside that circle? Here are two things, people and circumstances. You can't control people and you can't control circumstances. But we can control how we respond to people and circumstances. So the challenge is when people are rude, respond politely, respectfully. Romans 12, 17, beginning, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. He's talking about our response, isn't he? When you're in, treated with evil, overcome evil with good. Again, some of the most difficult instruction. But it's given to us. And the message about all in it is to be respectful of others because of whom we represent. And here's our highest example. To this were you called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow his steps. And we understand that. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need to walk in his steps. We understand that. But then Peter keeps going. He said, this is the example of Jesus. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him. Think about that. On the cross. If you're the son of God, come down. He saved himself. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If you are the Son of God, and he could have, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. There's our example. We could have understood if Jesus had called down fire from heaven, couldn't we? But that's not how he responded. Why? Because it was for those very people who hurled insults at him in disbelief that he was dying to save. He's our example. He sets the bar very high, doesn't he? When people are rude, respond politely. Respond in a God-honoring way. We live in a rude world. Common courtesy is not so common. But we're called in this cruel world to be courteous, to be respectful of others. May it begin with us. May it begin with us. Again, Jesus endured so much because that's how much he loves us. He loves us even when we were unlovable enough to die for us 
so that we can go to heaven. And if it's your desire to surrender your life to Jesus this morning, he died so that your sins can be washed away. And they're washed away by his blood when we confess our faith in Jesus, when we turn from sin and turn to follow him. That's what the Bible calls repentance. And when we're baptized into Christ, it's where we contact his blood that cleanses us from our sins. It may be your desire to do that this morning. May we encourage you to follow through. If you need the prayers of the church on your behalf, if something is weighing on your heart, or if, if we haven't exemplified Christ in our actions with, and reactions with others, and we need the prayers of the church to help us as we seek to be Christ followers, we'd love to pray with you and for you. If you're subject to the invitation of Jesus, please come right now as we stand and sing.